You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Um, Evan and I are both sipping on our coffees, so... Yeah. Um, we promise we'll we'll amp it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. Yeah, well, we want to we want to charge right out the gate, and we want to ask y'all a question to get y'all involved because mm. we added background music to our episodes a, a little bit, a little bit ago. What when we switched over to the anchor platform? Maybe about two three months. I don't yeah. know. and we got recently got a three star review, which is unusual for us. And a person was frustrated with the the music in our background. And you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, and it's pretty varied like there's some people that use music some people don't i kind of like the music but i also the first couple times i listened to our episodes it was a little distracting to me and then now it's like it just it doesn't bother me that much but we want to ask our listeners what you think of the music in our background Mm -hmm. so the uh music we add is I tried to pick the most plain one, kind of. That was at least just a little something. Um, it also filters out a lot of the background noise yeah. that you don't hear in the podcast. You know, sometimes Evan's kids will be upstairs talking or maybe the dog will be barking or somebody will take a step and the background music helps filter that out. However, if you find it distracting or you find it makes it not pleasant to listen to the podcast, we don't want that to be a deterrent. Yeah, well, you, you guys can just listen to my kids clomping upstairs, the dogs barking, <laughs> the, the planes overhead, my heavy breathing. You're welcome to listen to all of that. We will keep it in there. It's been in there for two and a half years and we can keep it in mm-hmm. there. But the only way for us to know is for y'all to get engaged. And I know that you motherfuckers don't like to get engaged, but we need you. <laughs> they to really do that. don't. They're like, we love all of your <laughs> free history and things that you're providing for us, but we don't want to. We don't want to tweet you or anything. No, no matter no. how much effort I put in. <laughs> so what we need you to do, we're gonna put up a poll on Twitter, and I'll also throw up a, a post on Instagram just to like direct people that way. But please go to Twitter at your queer story. Take our poll, send us a message, comment, any way that you want to send your information in for the next two weeks, we're going to be taking it in. And so the, the episodes, the next two weeks are going to keep the music. But if you're dead set, that music shouldn't be in there. Or if you're like, I absolutely love the music. Mm-hmm. I want it in there. The only way you're going to be able to have your voice heard is to go to at your career story at Twitter or Instagram, or you can send us a message on any mm-hmm. social media platform. It has to be on the Twitter poll because otherwise it's going to be too hard to compile Oh everything. my God. Don't listen to Paul. I also go through the messages. If you want to send me a message, I'll put it in there too. Okay. All right. Don't well, you better keep it. track of all those numbers because I'm only <laughs> looking at the Twitter poll. It will be pinned to the top of the page. You literally just have to click yes or no. It's that Paul easy. Paul is sitting here acting like we're going to have thousands of respondents and we're never going to be able to get through. We're going to have a, a, at best like seven people comment on this. <laughs> So I, you send me a message, Evan, and I'll check it out. Facebook or Instagram is the best way for me to check the messages. 
I rarely ever look at the Twitter messages, mostly because it's just people that either want to sell us something or they want us to check out their OnlyFans account or something. <laughs> so trying to wade through all that shit is not my thing. Um, but yeah. So with that, um, what'd you do this week, Evan? Um, this week, uh, I I wrote my first grant for work. So wow. getting that experience, I had done like a couple, like a course and then a couple classes on it. So I finally wrote the grant, very nerve wracking, but it was, it was easier than I expected, but I also was, you know, never done it before. So right. no idea if it's going to get approved, but it was a grant for like HIV outreach and stuff. So that was a cool experience. So what, you have to write it and then submit it to somewhere? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like people will post like usually a foundation or in this case, like a, there was an institute that is giving small grants out. You need and to you just, speak up a little bit or maybe move your mic. Well, I'm trying not to breathe too heavy for you. Well, when you're not talking, just back up a little bit. Okay. Well, I'll just go back. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so like you, you'll go out and they'll um, like there's a lot of websites where people post their grants and then you go, you follow their instructions and you know, you have to, they'll, they'll tell you exactly that what they want. They'll ask you very specific questions. You have to give them very specific data. So it's kind of like applying for a scholarship. They need you to write all this stuff out and you submit it, basically. I guess, yeah. I've never applied for a scholarship, but Me sure. either, but I'm just <laughs> I'm assuming they're the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that's how you get funding for, for nonprofits. So um, that was a cool experience. And then um, this episode drops the day after my uh, the 25th anniversary of my dad's death. And so I was talking to my therapist and my therapist was like, because like when we grew up, we weren't we didn't do anything to remember my dad because there was mm-hmm. a whole thing where they're like we're just gonna pretend like he never existed we're gonna move on from this you know you're eight you should be able to get over it yeah and so and so for the longest time i've said before like i was with my wife before i finally started putting pictures of my dad up in in my house and i was telling my therapist all about that and he's like well what do you do to remember your dad on the anniversary of his death and i was like i I don't do anything. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, maybe you'll find some more healing if you do something. So we were talking about things that my dad did. And so my dad loved to come and pick me up from school, like surprise mm-hmm. me in the middle of the day, pick me up from school and take me like go-karting or just to McDonald's right. or Have something. Fun. So that's what I'm doing with my kids on his anniversary, picking them up. We're going to go have some fun. We're going to, you know, uh, probably grab like McDonald's or something through a drive through and just enjoy the day. So we'll see how it goes. It might end up in chaos. We'll end up in chaos. But, it's but right. you know what? They're going to have a really fun time. They have no idea, right? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I remember when, if I ever got picked up early from school, that was like <laughs> the best fucking thing. Isn't it? That's it what, that's what I mean. so good. That makes the whole rest of the day. Who cares does, what you yeah, do? Does, you it's don't even have to do anything. Like, oh, I don't have to go back to fucking school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Let's see. When does this episode drop? What day? This tra- well, we're on February now. I gotta change my queer calendar. This is the best calendar ever, though, is it not? It is great. I mean, every celebrity. I'm talking over the name. Every celebrity you can ever think of is on this. Who did this calendar? It was the um, LGBTQ History Project, I believe. I think so. I don't. You, you know, I'm, when <clears throat> whenever I get around to posting the scripts, because I'm a little bit behind, I will uh, link them, or maybe I'll just put a link up in the. Uh, the navigation because this is a really good calendar and i think a lot of people would enjoy it especially oh, yeah. if you're a teacher yeah yeah we uh, love it it's got it's got birthdays it's got all kinds of important historical dates uh, absolutely love it so this episode drops on the 10th okay so uh today is technically officially my last day at my current job okay. um as an e-commerce data specialist uh 
which was a great stepping stone for me. I did learn a lot of this company, um, but they also kind of had shitty pay and uh, didn't really care for my boss and just wasn't a great overall experience, I would say. Um, where was I going with this? Your new your new job. Yeah, I know. I I'm trying. Oh. I had a specific point. I was trying. Oh, and you know how when you leave a job, you're like, man, did I really make the right decision? I just don't know. I'm kind of questioning, should I have taken this job? The day, a few days after I accepted this job offer and put my two weeks notice in, they sent a company-wide email that they're going to be installing something on all company computers called um, Remote Work Doctor or something like that. That's going to take screenshots of your screen and monitor your activity, monitor your mouse, monitor your keyboard to make sure you're productive. And I was like, yep, I know 100% that I made the right decision now because that is... That is a next level micromanaging. Like, not only do you have your boss micromanaging, you know, now you have this piece of software that's taking pictures of your screen, monitoring your mouse movements, making sure you're like productive X percent of time. And oh no, yeah, yeah. that's like that's like the Amazon shit where yeah. people are peeing in bottles because you've got to meet numbers. Mm-hmm. That's so. Oh my god, that's such an overreach. Especially the fact that, like, I mean, if you were in an office, yes, people can see you're productive, but not. That's not the same as someone sitting behind you watching everything you do, right? Which is basically what this is. Yeah. Wow. I'm not. When I saw that, I was like, "Yep, I made the right decision. I'm glad with what." Yep. I, and the job. I'm so for anybody who doesn't know, I'm going to be a social media community manager. Um, that was the job I applied for and they kind of reworked the job title because of my various experience. So the, the new job title is e-commerce, um, digital content marketing specialist. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. I'm pretty excited. I get to work on some really fun social media projects. I'm hoping that this company will give me a little freedom. I'm, you know, I hope that they will take my expertise and obviously we're going to need to collaborate on things. It's not going to be like, here, take these accounts and do whatever you want. (laughs) But I hope that they're willing to listen to me and work with me and let me kind of grow them how I know to grow them. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm really excited for you because I know that this is like, it's, it's just a combination of things that you are very knowledgeable about, but also things that you enjoy. Yeah, it's so. that's the thing. And like this job that I'm currently at um, as an e-commerce person, I'm like, yeah, I'm very knowledgeable about this subject, but I really don't like this part of it. <laughs> exactly. So to get out of like Excel and data and stuff, and I'm sure I'll still be working with data, you know, because I need to observe the analytics and things of the social media accounts. But it's not me spending two weeks comparing vaccine refrigerators versus a manufacturer website to make sure that all the specifications are correct you know yeah it's gonna be a lot more fun and a lot um more creative more creative it's gonna give me an opportunity to grow and develop and learn more things and i love learning so i'm really excited well i'm really excited for you because um, I know what it's like to go you know to take a job that where you just love all the parts of your job so good things all around still happening. Mm-hmm. It's because Biden won. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Oh, just, speaking of what? Biden, did you see they stripped Green of her House committee yes, role? Yes, I yes I did. Only because you notified me. I mean, I saw that they were going to do it, mm-hmm. but I, I knew that there was a lot of opposition to it um, on the Republican eleven side. Republicans si- sided with the Democrats, which is good. But also, like, how could you only get eleven Republicans to be like? All right, I guess this woman shouldn't be in charge of things. Are you fucking kidding me? 
Mm-hmm. What are you fucking talking about? Like, we're not even talking about someone. We're not even talking like, you know, Ted Cruz or Josh right. Hawley, uh, you know, uh, whatever supremacists. We're talking about a woman who believes that there's space lasers in, in the sky that are, are beating down on us. A woman who I have no idea how the fuck she got in that position. I don't even know how she got elected, honestly. I, that's what I mean. Like, did someone, so, someone had to buy her position. I don't know. Maybe she knows like the 10 people in the town. Just, I don't know what it is, but there was no reason why she should ever she, be a she U.S. Liked, representative. She liked a tweet that said Nancy Pelosi needs a bullet he- a shot in the head or something like oh, that. Oh, I know. And she didn't believe that any of the mass shootings in America happened. And that, she yeah. didn't believe that... Um, what else? I don't know. I was like, who? How? That's what I this mean, is like the biggest Twitter troll. Who elected this woman? That's exactly what it is. And that's what's so offensive. I mean, so offensive and to the, all the people who mm-hmm. have lost children in our mass And then the shootings. Republicans didn't even... Like the Republicans were like, oh no, she apologized. I, did you listen to her apology? <laughs> she said, I was allowed to believe these conspiracy theories. Motherfucker, who allowed you to believe them? Yourself. Exactly. Nobody else allowed, allowed you to believe. to believe. That's not shut an apology. Up. That's bitch. Not- <laughs> shut up. That's the thing, though. Like, yeah. I mean, can you imagine, like, someone like Rubio representing Florida and all the the mass shootings that have been there, and then supporting a woman who doesn't believe those mass shootings happened? And, and like, how do you vote for someone like Rubio who supports someone like that? That's what I right. want to know. You know. I think the Republican part. The thing is, I'm like. A lot of people are not looking at these current situations as how are they going to be remembered in 100 years. People are looking at these situations and just being like, oh, my God, what's happening right now? The Democrats really just removed a Republican. Like, you have to think, what is the long-term consequences of not taking action? Yeah. Then people just don't think that way. If you let somebody like that slide in and you let these people just continue to be hateful and to be destructive and just let them maintain power, 20 years from now, we're going to be in a real fucked up situation. Well, you have to take this action now. That That's exactly why we, you know, we are supposed to impeach Trump. That's exactly the whole thing. Because, again, like you said, if you don't impeach a a president for inciting an insurrection then what the fuck do you impeach him for like right. is that is that just a, a fancy thing that we have and we have no intention of ever following up what would be an impeachable offense at this point because right. at at this point just write it out of the constitution because you don't have an impeachable offense mm-hmm. the guy literally stood by while people charged our capital looking to kidnap our congressmen and women, some threatening to kill them, and we're still like, all right, guys, now come on, we don't. Let's not unity. be ridiculous. That's the biggest thing: unity. <laughs> there has to be accountability. Yeah, you can't be the but the party of no accountability, <laughs> especially if you're the fucking party of law and order. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm looking up. <laughs> I'm looking up because I was finding. I was reading. Um. So I, I I just finished a book. Which, by the way, that's one wonderful thing that happened. I started and finished two books this week, which has not happened wow. since we got our children. But I read the book American Radicals. I cannot remember the author's name. It's a. I don't want to assume that she's a lesbian, but. <laughs> it's just it's just an idea it's a feeling i have i could be re- rarely wrong can i ask you something what i you know how gay face is a thing is yeah. lesbian face a thing 
Uh, or is there like I something? I say lesbian hair is a thing. Le- okay, but you well, could no, also I'm being say gay. Very serious. <laughs> I don't. I have never. I could not look at a woman's face and be like that woman's a lesbian. But I could look at a woman's hair and her stance and be like, is it like probably, a body posture, like a way they hold themselves? Yeah. I hope I'm not offending anybody. I'm just really not, genuinely curious. Because I don't curious. think it's offensive. I don't think the way that they hold themselves is offensive. I, and I also don't even know. I, I don't know that w- the way women lesbians hold themselves is any different than other women, mm-hmm. but. There are some distinct, like, usually some distinct clothing styles and hairstyles. And again, that's not widespread. Just like gay face or whatever isn't widespread. But see, I can can look at somebody and be like, that person's gay. You think? No, I know. (laughs) I have ruined a marriage because (laughs) I'm telling you, I know when a motherfucker's gay. I can tell. (laughs) Anyways, right, we're 16 minutes in. I'm trying to go into. I'm trying to. I was trying to tell the story of Charles Sumner because my whole point was I just can't remember which one. If he was the guy that did it or or. or I don't even know on. what you're talking about. I'm trying to get back to a point that I'm now. I'm losing because I'm trying to pull it up on here and it's not on here. Beats man, because there's a very famous story of a U.S. senator. Um. Okay. There's okay. So. There's a very famous story of a U.S. Senator Brooks who beat the anti-slavery sim, um, Senator Charles Sumner on the floor of the Senate. Like literally he walked in. They had a, a disagreement on the, the House floor. He walked into him with a cane and nearly killed him, like whipped mm-hmm. him with the end of a cane until he was almost dead. And that I was going that to be like, even with that ridiculous, outrageous behavior, Brooks was not removed as a senator. What so, the when you look at someone like Green and you wonder, like, how do people support their party members when they do outrageous things? It's, again, that thing of putting the party over the people. All of that. All of that was to get to this point that has nothing to do with anything else. But <laughs> it's fine. No, there there needs to be. You can't just be a representative of the people and fucking be like QAnon. Like, yeah. what? what? There has to be some line. What the, well, there's not because, I mean, we do allow people to be elected regardless it's just you would hope that people would have sense but then again we elected donald trump as our president so right and and 75 million more or whatever uh supported him for a second term so mm-hmm. clearly yeah party over the people right that's there's what it issues. is all speaking of politics we're going to be talking about a, a politician slash poet today well, there we go Today, we continue celebrating Black History Month, and this year we are covering black literary giants, their works, and how they inspired the movements of yesterday and today. This week, we get current as we discuss a woman living in the heart of today's civil rights protests, Andrea Jenkins. She is the first black transgender woman elected to public office and serves on the seat of the Minneapolis City Council in Minnesota. But before Andrea was a politician, she was and is a poet and a queer oral historian. As she told the magazine Minnesota Good News, I always lead with poet because it's my deep passion to be an artist, an educator, and a humanitarian. The politician label is a new one. I don't shy away from it, but that's not how I introduce myself. And she has indeed spent most of her life educating and advocating for the LGBTQ plus community, often using her beautiful art as a tool. Andrea was born in 1961 on the west side of Chicago, Illinois, in the Lawndale District. You've probably seen this part of Chicago on TV if you're a fan of the American version of the hit show Shameless. 
The area, mirror, the area mirrors that of so many others across the country. Rough, impoverished neighborhoods filled with kind and hardworking people sit beneath a backdrop of skyscrapers and wealth. Like most others around her, Andrea's family had to hustle to make ends meet. She was raised by a single mother who made education the number one priority for her children, which was fine, uh, which was fine by Andrea, who loved school and reading. She told journalist Paul Brandeis Rauschenberg, Bush. <laughs> Paul, Brand Paul B. Rauschenbusch. Yeah, there you go. I've always been in love with words. I read all the Founding Father biographies. I read all the Founding Father biographies when I was young, but her love for school was certain. But her love for school certainly didn't mean school held the same love for her. When Dr. King was assassinated in 1968, Andrea and her siblings were kicked out of their current school because the staff feared continuing the, the desegregated classrooms amid the social unrest. So first of all, we need to agree whether her name is Andrea or Andrea. Because I'm pretty positive it's Andrea Jenkins. Andrea? Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I, <laughs> you didn't look this up? I, I, because I thought for sure I'd heard her name before, but now, now you're making me question it. I've never pronounced a name right in this Andrea. entire podcast, so I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. <laughs> so Andrea, as we've confirmed. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, there's, I like the fact that she had read all the Founding Fathers biographies when she was young, because when I was little, I used to ride my bike to the library and i would always get at least one or two biographies on the founding fathers was it the the church library no no it was a real library but i mean of course it's Did children's biographies huh were you sneaking there no i was allowed to oh you were allowed i was you were allowed to go to a not church library yes i just wasn't allowed to get books that weren't approved so like i could read about the founding fathers because they thought they were gods and mm. then i could read nancy drew i was not allowed to read the hardy did Boys. you ever sneak a book <laughs> i read a few books in the library while i was there but I did not try to sneak a book. Um, I'm trying to think if no, no, that, I don't know. I just never tried to sneak a book, but there wasn't really a lot of books that I would try to sneak because that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I wanted to read history and I wanted to read mysteries. And mm -hmm. most of those, as long as they were the kids ones, were okay. Okay. Anyways. I was just curious. <laughs> so is it me? Okay. It's you. Andrea eventually enrolled in the Robert Limbaugh Math and Science Academy, and after graduating high school, she headed out of state to the University of Minneapolis in 1979. It was during this time that Andrea began her queer journey of self-realization. Still presenting as a man, she married a woman, had a child, and then the two divorced. Andrea later came out as gay, but soon realized that wasn't the label she was seeking. Today, she identifies as bisexual and queer, but it would be a while before she reached that understanding of herself. At age 30, Andrea began her social transition. Transgender people often have three to four forms of transition depending on their circumstances and desires. These include personal or private transition, coming out to friends and family, social transition, openly presenting oneself in public, legal transition, undergoing name changes and correcting gender markers, and medical transition, taking medications, hormones, or undergoing affirming surgeries. Not all trans or non-binary people choose all of these forms of transition and everyone begins their journey from a different place. We've talked about that a lot in some of mm -hmm. our things. You can do our transgender awareness episode. Um, we have a, actually a blog post about that too. So if you want to know more about that, you're welcome to check it out. Yep. And uh, I just want to say that that is so much work and effort to go through that for people who are like, just don't do that. Or why would you want to do that? Like if you're willing to go through that much clearly you know what i mean I, I don't know like i don't know how to say what i'm trying to say but like that's a lot 
Yeah, when so, people are like, it's just a choice. It's just a right. phase. A motherfucker, it's just a phase. Right. <laughs> I just a spent a hundred something dollars to change my name legally. And now I got to call all these people and tell them that I changed right. my name. I got to send them the paperwork. And that's just for the legal transition. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> it's Andrea, right? That's how. Yes. Okay. Andrea began presenting as a female in public in the early 1980s and returned to school to earn her bachelor's from, from Metropolitan State University and later two master's degrees. Good for her, because I <laughs> so still ain't even gone to school. One in creative writing from St. Paul's um, Hamlin University, and one in economic community development from Southern New Hampshire University. In fact, Andrea, Andrea, how did we say? Andrea. In fact, Andrea spent most of the 80s and 90s in school, working odd jobs, and helping out on various political camp political campaigns. She worked the 1983 campaign that helped Harold Washington become the first black mayor of Chicago. And over the years, she continued to be involved in local politics, work on her degrees, and hone her skills as a writer and poet. The more she became involved in the queer community, the more she began to see the need of preserving our history, especially our oral histories, which is how much of the LGBTQ history has remained due to the constant attempt to erase us and our past from existence. And I'm glad that we are a part of that. So. Yes, exactly. And and that is true. Like for a long, long time, we only could have our oral histories because if we wrote anything down. Yeah, that, that shit would be burnt. Well, yeah, not only would it be burnt, <laughs> but the person who wrote it would also be burnt. So it was kind of like. <laughs> it's un, uh, we're laughing, but it's unfortunately It is sad. true. It's a reality. Like you, it wasn't just that you it would be destroyed, but you would also be destroyed. I mean, even like even later, like in the, or the mid uh, 20th century, like uh, when we were covering Radcliffe Hall in The Well of Loneliness. And right before she published her her memoir slash novel, there had been a big trial in England over another lesbian novel. And just because the person had written a, fic a fictional account of two lesbians, they were being put on trial. And that was a, a worry for Radcliffe. So like uh, this, you know, we had to preserve a lot of things through oral histories. And then, of course, let's not forget that when these histories were actually recorded, most of them were very white very rich exactly and of course black and brown people weren't even consulted or they were discounted like well you don't remember properly now right. craig over here he remembers everything perfectly but mm -hmm. you marcia you sylvia no not you you don't know anything you're just a sex worker right unfortunately so. and with that we'll go to commercial <laughs> <laughs> Hello Christians, we just want to remind you all that Sojourner House of Rhode Island is offering two important free national services at this time. Any person in the United States who identifies as a victim of domestic violence, sexual assault, and or human trafficking can take part in their free virtual support groups every Monday and Tuesday. It's a healthy and accessible way for victims to find support, especially during this time of uncertainty due to COVID-19. The other service they're offering is a free at-home HIV testing kit. In order to receive yours, you simply have to send in a request to khawkins at sojournerri.org. That's k-h-a-w-k-i-n-s at sojournerri.org and set up a brief consultation. Then a test will be shipped to your home free of charge and you can self-administer and receive results within 20 minutes. After a few days, a Sojourner House representative will contact you just to make sure you have all the resources you need. There's no payments or further stipulations required for anyone receiving this important service. So connect with Sojourner House today and send in your request for support. If you have trouble getting through, then feel free to message Paul and Evan at yourqueerstory at gmail.com or message us on any social media platform at yourqueerstory.
and we're back, and I'm going to let Evan take over the very <laughs> beginning, because for whatever reason, my brain can never remember what we talked about in the first half to recap. I don't know how, but... Uh, so we're talking about Andrea Jenkins, who is the first black transgender woman who was elected to a public office, and I think she's very relevant for this time, because... She holds a, a position on the Minneapolis City Council, which we're going to talk about. That's where we have seen. That's where the Black Lives Matter protests of this of last summer took off because mm-hmm. of right. you know George Floyd and, and everything there. So um, she's very, like I said, she's very relevant. But she's also a poet, and that's where she got her start, and that's why I put her in here in this month of you know studying black literary giants. Mm-hmm. In 2001, Andrea worked to help Robert Lilligren of the Democratic Farmer Labor Party get elected to Minneapolis City Council. Jenkins' unique ability to, to be connected with a community she understood so well earned her a spot as Lilligren, Lil, sorry, Lilligren's. Lilligren's policy aide when he won office. Four years later, she joined the campaign of Elizabeth Glidden and worked on the uh, counselor's staff for the next 11 years. It was during this time that Andrea began to gain national attention for her work with with and for the transgender community. In 2010, she won the Naked Stages grant for her work, Body Parts, Reflections on Reflections, which was described to the public in this way. The African-American transgender woman lives life balanced on a tightrope, a truly multimedia experience. Body Parts uses videos and visual art, movement and music and monologue to express and explore the dual nature of the human body. Her work soon led Andrea to be a transgender... Uh, Her work soon led Andrea to a transgender fellowship, and in 2014, she established a transgender issues work group. The same year, she also organized a summit on trans issues in Minnesota. By 2015, Andrea Jenkins was working as a curator for the Trans History Oral Project in conjunction with the Jean-Nicolas Treader Collection in LGBT Studies, which I'm pretty sure is where we have our LGBTQ encyclopedias. Mm. Jenkins spent the next several years gathering hundreds of oral histories and shaping the Treader collection away from a white male perspective to a more diverse and comprehensive history of LGBTQ people in America. Her work also contributed to her writing and her landmark compilation of her work in the book, The Tea is Not Silent. She tells the story behind the title in the book's introduction. Andrea writes, The title, The Tea is Not Silent, was derived from a quote by Janet Mock. She and I were both at a convention hosted by the Arcus Foundation, where she was on board. We were doing our introduction. There were transgender activists from all across the country in the room, and she said, the tea is no longer going to be silent. And I immediately thought, that's going to be the title of my next book. That's a really incredible uh, title. Like, just to think that for so long in the the queer community, like, transgender um, histories have just been, like, brushed aside yeah. because of... Um, just because, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the power of Andrea's words uh, is held in her deep understanding of what it means to be black and trans. The picture she paints m- moves the reader to truly see individuals they pass by every day. In the opening lines to her poem, 18, these words immediately captivate the reader. 18 hours since her last meal, her head is spinning with desperation. Hypersexualized body looks good, but the five o'clock shadow is nine hours over the limit and her wig is beginning to look matted. She was 18 when she left home. College was life on the streets. The school day was long. Seemed like it never ended. Many nights spent on sticky 
tricks sofas, days spent as a social activist, marching, lobbying, organizing. And I probably had the whole cadence of that poem wrong, so I'm sorry if I did. (laughs) But it is a really nice poem. We do have it linked, too, so you can read the Mm -hmm. whole thing. But the poem lays down the truth of existence for trans women, verse by verse. Jenkins continues, her mind flashes back to that birth certificate, assigned male at birth, socialized in a patriarchal world, yet unable to fully relate to the constant challenge of trying to live her life in an upside-down reality. Eighteen times she threw out all the women's clothing, known in the community as the purge, ridding oneself of all the reminders of the transgression she's contemplated by the day annually for as long as she can remember. I love the poem. It, it just goes on and on. It says so many things about, again, like being black and trans and just like that the, the, the line about, you know, you're, you spend your nights as a sex worker because that's how you have to pay the bills. And then during the days you march, you lobby, you organize. Like that's when we talk about LGBTQ history and we talk so much about like people, again, we always go back to Marsha and Sylvia because they're so well known. But like we look back at these women who were so influential on starting the LGBTQ movement after Stonewall and how they were erased and they were ignored, but that's what, that was their life. Mm-hmm. They, they lived on crumbs they fought as hard as they could. They worked the streets so that they could have money to help take care of other trans and other LGBTQ kids. And they went to the uh, the uh, the marches and they organized. And then they went back to the streets and they did this day in and day out. And you know we repaid them by forgetting them. Yep, that's horribly accurate. Yeah. In 2016, Elizabeth Glidden announced she wouldn't run for re-election as a city councilor, and Andrea decided to vie for the empty seat. While some questioned what business a poet had in running for city councilor, Jenkins perfectly summed up why she was qualified for the position. She told Bush, Being African American is being politi- a political statement in our society. Certainly being transgender is a political statement. Wearing her hair locked has become a political statement. So if my body is political, if my identity is political, if my hair is political, then I must be engaged in politics for my survival. I need to be able to operate in the oppressive environment. Personally, I've been able to manifest a lot of goodwill and support for my family and community and colleagues, but that's not the reality for most most black trans women. So that pushed me into a sense of giving back, reaching back, making space for the people who don't get to sit at these tables to bring their issues to the forefront and advocate. And that's so true. Mm -hmm. Her entire identity has been politicized. So what business does she have being in politics? That's her whole identity. Yeah. You, I mean, that's the thing. I was having a conversation on social media about this this week about, you know, it was focus on the family, which is a right wing group that we'll cover one day. I love the to make family. fun of them. Right. And but they had posted something like making fun of um, a trans person. who, And they said, you know, this is a, a trans person is someone who uh, this is a trans woman. No, sorry. This is a man who thinks that they're a woman. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it was an offensive statement. And I'm in because I'm in a lot of like. um cult survivor groups, fundamentalist groups, like people had posted it and we're talking about it and, and folks were like, well, I mean, I, you know, I get why this is offensive, but I just don't understand why trans people have to be so you know political. And we're like, well, I mean, you've made us a political object. Right. We, it's not that we wanted to be political, but when you decided that we could bleed out on the side of the road without medical attention, when you decided that we um, couldn't have the right to marry, couldn't have the right to adopt, kind of forced us to be into politics. What else were you going to do? Just sit there and take it? Like, <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. What did you think that we were going to do? And, you know, it's, it's also ironic that the same people that want Christianity to govern everything suddenly say that LGBTQ people shouldn't be involved in politics, shouldn't be making it a political statement. Fuck off. 
Right. <laughs> I agree. On November 7th, 2017, Andrea Jenkins won her race and became the first black transgender woman to be elected to a public office in the United States. Her historic win earned her a spot on the cover of Time Magazine's 2019 cover, along with several other trans women leading the fight for equality and visibility. Jenkins certainly knew she had fought a f- she had a tough fight ahead of her, and the state ranked the second worst for racial equality, telling the press, This ranking is abhorrent, and not because of the stain that it places on the state, but because of my people are suffering. So if we are on the bus on the highway to hell, I want to be driving that bus and turn it around. I want Minneapolis to be a model and a beacon for other cities that want to work on racial equity. I want to bring a quantifiable equity lens to the issues we are making decisions about that impact people's lives. She has so much work ahead of her, and I am beyond impressed by the willingness she has to make that fight because I can't imagine the fear of being a black person living in that area after watching George Floyd be nailed on for nine minutes. Mm. Like, what does it feel like to live there to know that that could have been you? Right. Just to see that that cold look in that and Chauvin's eyes to watch those other police officers protect him as he slowly murders a man. And they're like, I don't know why they need Black Lives Matter. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Just a couple bad eggs, that's all. Mm. Like I, And then like to add to the identity that she's also a transgender woman like that, yeah. I'm beyond impressed of the dedication and the bravery that she has to go forward and really lead the fight because I can only imagine the kind of hate she's getting. Yeah. From all corners, especially being in that area specifically, ranked second worst. Like, yep. bravo, congr- good fucking job. That's a lot braver than I am, I'm going to say yeah. that. Yeah. Um, however, she never could have imagined how the events of 2020 would unravel in her home of Minneapolis. On May 25th, 2020, a black man named George Floyd was arrested after allegedly passing a counterfeit bill. Counterfeit bill, by the way. $20. Not like... <laughs> Not like he was robbing a store. Not like... Didn't have 10 kilos of cocaine. Right. None of that. Just somebody thought he passed a counterfeit bill. Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin murdered Floyd after arresting him, forcing him to the ground and slowly suffocating him as Chauvin knelt on Floyd's neck. Video of the white officer's cold murder chilled audiences and was made more disturbing by the fact that two other policemen stood by and did nothing to help Floyd, but instead kept bystanders at bay. The day following the murder, Minneapolis erupted in protests demanding the removal of Chauvin and the other officers. The outrage swept swept. The outrage swept around the world and sparked protests in all major cities in the US and several others across the globe. In Minneapolis, protesters set fire to the third precinct police station, resulting in the largest Minnesota National Guard deployment since World War II. Over 600 people were arrested and $500 million in property damage was done, making the Minneapolis May 2020 George Floyd protests the the second most destructive demonstration of unrest since the 1992 L.A. riots. But this was just the beginning. Since May of last year, protesters have continued to march, demonstrate, and riot in response to the astounding racial inequality in America. 30 protests alone have been held in Minneapolis and its twin city, St. Paul, including the Pride Day demonstration that hijacked the the traditional Pride Parade and instead focused on the March on Black Transgender Rights. The most recent demonstration in the Twin Cities took place on Inauguration Day in 2021. This peaceful protest was held as a call to the Biden administration to reverse the Trump-era regulations that have harmed immigrant and marginalized communities. 
And I will say that um, Biden has taken tons of action since he's. Yeah. I don't know that we've made truly any progress. Right now, it's just a lot of things being reversed and kind of. Yeah. Let's put a little band aid on this. Let's undo this. Let's undo that. But I really hope that him and Kamala and the uh, people that he is surrounding himself with can really start to make things happen. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there's so many things for him to fix. I mean, like, in those, um, what was it? I don't remember how many executive orders he had in the first day. Maybe it was 19 or something. Mm. Um, or, like, in that first, like, week. And But the majority of them were literally just reversing Trump executive yep. orders. I mean, almost all of them were either about COVID-19 or they reversing previous orders. And so, yeah, in a, it looks like he's doing a lot. And, and I give him the credit for reversing what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But that's not the same as if he had come into a normal presidency. Right. Would he have had this much ac- much action? Would he have done as much? Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, when you're cleaning up a mess, it looks like you're doing a lot. But, right. you know, but that's but that's that's not his fault. I mean, that's the shit show that we're in mm-hmm. during this time. The Minneapolis City Council faced harsh scrutiny and calls for action. In June of 2020, the City Council unanimously approved a plan to defund the police with Andrea Jenkins, one of the three members who supported completely abolishing the police, though she later stopped her pursuit of these efforts. There is a lot of misconception and passion around the difference between defunding the police and abolishing the police. Most people confuse them for the same idea, and some activists use the concept of defunding the police as a stepping stone towards total abolishment. However, the fundamental difference does lie in the wording. Defunding the police works to divert more funds away from police and instead towards emergency, social, and mental health professionals. The idea being that ultimately, police would only be involved in violent crimes and clearly require that clearly require force. Abolishing police is the concept of totally dismantling our police system and redesigning a system that is not built and rooted in oppression, racism, and brute power. And I think there does need to be a total shift because Mm -hmm. it was founded on the idea of arresting black people and using them for slave labor within prisons and removing them from society. And we can see in our prison systems that it hasn't changed. Yeah. And it's just masked over and pretended because all they started doing was arresting poor white people to make it look like, oh, no, it's not only for black people. We also yeah. have poor white people in here. Yeah. So so we're equal in our right. slavery. Yeah. And it's the same. And, and honestly, though, that's the same thing that happened even back when there was slavery. I mean, you had indentured servants and then you had immigrants in that time um, after in, uh, after indentured servitude ended. You had immigrants that were still paid, um, you know nothing for Mm -hmm. their work white immigrants which i'm not trying to say that they're they're i'm not trying to compare their plight with you know black Mm -hmm. slaves but i am saying that that was not you know a white irish man was not equal to a white english man Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of barriers in place so again when we're talking about um when we're talking about uh what are we talking Sorry. <laughs> Again, whenever we're talking about uh, the prison system and and what it's done to our society, we're t- we're talking about the same concepts that brought us to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. This is why poor white people fought for the North. It wasn't because they cared about slavery ending. It was because they were tired of being oppressed by rich white people. Mm-hmm. They were also oppressed, not to the level of black slaves, but they were also mm-hmm. oppressed. And that's why th- that was another big factor in the Civil War. So the same issues, and um, Angela Davis writes a lot about this. So if you want to read her work, you can wa- read about why she believes in uh, abolishing the police over just defending the police. Mm-hmm. 
Jenkins has summarized her idea around defund the police to the black diplomat. She stated, Defunding the police means, in my mind, creating a new public safety mechanism that doesn't require people with a gun to be able to respond to every need that our community has. It is not hard to see why a politician would take this stance rather than continuing to push for full abolishment. Even if Jenkins still supports abolishing the police, it is unlikely that it will have any traction, especially in an area of such current unrest where many only know to call the police when they are in trouble. Still, the council has a veto as veto-proof majority to ensure the plans to defund the Minneapolis police go into effect. And it came at a cost that three of the most outspoken members, including Jenkins, have had to hire private security. Though Andrea told reporters that this was nothing new for her, being the first black trans woman on a city council in a state filled with white nationalists has already been a dangerous job. Mm -hmm. But though the road ahead is not easier, easier. But though the road ahead is not easy, Andrea Jenkins continues on with courage and resolve. She is now the vice president of the city council as, and was named by Queerty Magazine as one of the 50 heroes leading the way, uh, leading the fight for equality, acceptance, and dignity for all people. We'll end her story with this quote from the Auburn Seminary. I express gratitude every single morning when I awake. I journal every day, which for me is a spiritual practice. I take long walks in nature around bodies of water and bask in the realness, in that mystery of the universe. I try to see the humanity in every person that I encounter and recognize that we are part of a universe. As a poet, a universe is one line in a poem, universe. So we all have the exact same lineage. We are all part of the exact same verse. And your recommended resource is, of course, The Tea Is Not Silent by Andrea Jenkins, or catch her work along with the collection of others in A Good Time for Truth, Race in Minnesota, compiled by Sung Young Shin. You can also watch Andrea's TEDx talk on YouTube titled Why I Wear Purple, as well as numerous interviews, speeches, and poetry, including a keynote address on her work, The Tea Is Not Silent. And one final note, as we continue to honor and celebrate Black History Month this month, we want to wrap up our episodes by pausing to remember those who, who those we have lost to the AIDS epidemic, particularly black and brown individuals who have continued to be overlooked, ignored, and downright prohibited from receiving life-saving care. This past weekend, we recognized Black, H black HIV Awareness Day on February 7th. Last year, we did an episode on awareness around AIDS in black communities. We encourage, we encourage you to check out that episode and also to check out your own local resources to see how you can help fight this deadly pandemic. And if you would like an at-home HIV kit, you can uh, email us at yourqueerstory at gmail.com, message us on any of our platforms, or you can email K Hawkins, K-H-A-W-K-I-N-S at sojournerri.org, and we will get a free HIV at-home 20-minute test sent out to you. We'll also have someone follow up with you just to make sure that everything is okay. Um, it does require a brief screening, but that's only because we have to have that for CDC guidelines. But um, otherwise, there's no fees involved. There's no shipping or mailing. Free at-home HIV kit to any person in the United States. So feel free to reach out to us, and we will put you in contact with Sojourner House. Yep. And with that, stay queer. Don't get lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. And a little succulent sapphist. Resist the oppressors, our proud homocrats. And have yourself a sodomy circus. Or don't. And, and Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.